You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. We are in our second week of the You Are More series, and if you missed last week, we talked about overcoming the labels that have oftentimes been with us for a long time that define us. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go online and check that out. Next week, we're going to be dealing with something that I think is really important, and that is we're going to talk about taking responsibility and apologizing for the times when we've hurt someone. And we've all done it, varying degrees. It's easy for us to see ourselves as the victim. We can fit into that role relatively easily. But it's more difficult and in many ways more important that we recognize how we've hurt others. And we own our part of of making that right. So we're going to talk about that next week. And then the fourth week of this series, we're going to be talking about overcoming your own mistakes. So many of us have failed in a lot of ways. For some of us, it's sin that we committed at one point in our lives, or even it may just be a mistake that we've made. It wasn't sin, it's just a mistake. And we recognize God's grace, it's there for us, but we have a hard time giving ourselves grace. So we'll talk about that in the final week of this series. I hope you'll, you'll make a point to be here for the entire series. I think this is one of those that we'll all benefit from uh, through the course of it. So today, I want to talk about how do we forgive those who have hurt us. How do we forgive people who have hurt us? Now, the question is, have, have, how many of you have ever been hurt by someone? Anybody here testify to that? Yeah, yeah, probably everybody. If you're th- over the age of three, which as I look out, most of you are, uh, you, you're sitting there, absolutely I've been hurt by somebody. Sometimes it can be something as simple as a misunderstanding or miscommunication. And the enemy of our spiritual enemy, he will use that misunderstanding and drive a wedge into relationships. That sometimes that wedge will last for, for years and years. Or other times it can be an outright intentional uh, betrayal. Someone who is important to you or close to you does something that is just Well, the only way you could say it is it's cruel. Maybe you would even say it's evil. Just basic odds would say that there would be people who are here this morning who came in here carrying a hurt. Somebody's wounded you. They've lied about you. They've betrayed you. They've taken advantage of you. And just hearing the subject that we're going to talk about today brings up all these different emotions. And you're thinking, oh, great. This is just going to be one of those sermons just too difficult. Because the, the wound that you carry is fresh. I mean, it's not healed yet. Others, others are here and you're wounded, but you were wounded back in the past. And you've managed to kind of bury that wound down in the bottom of your heart. And you function and, and you get by every day. And it, you go along as though you're acting like everything's okay until something sparks the anger or the bitterness inside of you. Maybe you bump into that person who hurt you, or somebody says something nice about them, and it's all, I mean, you're just zero to 60, all in in less than a second. There's this rush of negative emotion that takes over, and you really haven't dealt biblically with that hurt. You feel it. Corey Timboom is a famous author. You probably are familiar with her book, The Hiding Place, one of the great books of, of our day. 
1947, she was speaking at a church in Munich, Germany, and the topic that night was simply God forgives. And in her message, in her talk, she said, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And as people stood to leave at the end of her talk, Corey noticed him. He was a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, and he had a brown felt hat that he was clutching between his hands. And as he walked toward Corey, she imagined him in his German uniform. Corey and her sister Betsy had been arrested for concealing Jews in their home during the Nazi occupation of their homeland of Holland. And this man had been a guard at the Ravensbrück prison camp where they were sent. Corey writes, Now he was in front of me, his hand thrust out, and said, A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are in the bottom of the sea. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there, but since that time I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, will you forgive me? The fact is, forgiveness is seldom ever easy, is it? For some of you, there's a wound inside of you, and it may be fresh, and for others, it may be buried there for a long, long time. Whatever the case is in your life, God's going to address it today. Now, I want to, I want to give this disclaimer. Anytime somebody gives a talk on this message, on this topic, you get some pushback. Because there's going to be somebody here, they're not mad, but they're hurting. And they're going to say something like, you don't know what so-and-so did to me. You're saying that I'm supposed to forgive him, but you don't know what he or she did to me. And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody may have gossiped about you or lied about you and damaged your reputation. Somebody may have taken advantage of you in some way. Somebody may have betrayed your innocence. Maybe you've had a spouse that cheated on you or a parent that abandoned you. Or maybe, maybe they went a step further and hurt someone who you love. You know, I can take a punch if you throw it at me, and I can deal with that and manage that a whole lot easier than I can if you throw that punch at somebody that I love. So when you perhaps push back today and you say, maybe in a text message later or just in your heart, you don't know, Monty, what I went through. I just want to acknowledge I don't know. And I'm not implying that I do. I do know that there are a lot of very tragic things that go on in this broken world. And we see that in Charlottesville, Virginia going on this weekend. I will tell you that I do know that there is a lot of hurt out there because I've experienced some of it. And I know what it's like to watch someone that I love be tragically mistreated as well. A friend of mine, I'll call him Rick because I don't want to use his name for what will will be obvious in just a moment. Rick was uh, and still is a great friend of mine. And a number of years ago, he was accused of sexually assaulting his daughter by a member of his wife's family. State police came in and investigated. His daughters were interviewed. And the church where he worked and had served faithfully 
was considering letting him go over these allegations. On top of all of that, Rick was thoroughly humiliated as many people who he considered friends considered him guilty. And this was their logic. They were thinking he must be guilty. Why would anyone make an accusation unless it was true? I mean, something this vile and unbelievable. Well, the state police found no evidence of any kind of wrongdoing, and eventually the accuser recanted her accusation. She actually apologized to Rick and his family, saying she was motivated by her own jealousy. I don't know what's happened to you, but I know a little bit from the instances of my own life where I've been hurt and by those who I care a lot about who've been hurt. I think a talk like this for many can be very challenging. And I pray that you'll let come to the surface of your hearts the person that's hurt you. If you haven't dealt with this in a biblical way yet, let's do that this morning. It could be someone who you worked with who betrayed you. They didn't, they didn't keep their end of the bargain, and you were left holding the financial responsibility. Or maybe it's a close friend who betrayed your trust. You confided in them and they let everyone else know. Or maybe it was a mom or dad who did something that really hurt you. Maybe over a long period of time. Or it could be a child who's turned their back on you and rejected you and said things to you or things about you. Or maybe it's a spouse who who you found is involved in pornography or they've lied about something or they've strayed in their marital, his or her marital vows. Or maybe you're angry with someone who's no longer living. Oh, they're gone and yet you're still hurt and you're still carrying this grudge and this bitterness. And for some of you, it may quite honestly be that you're a little angry with God. I talked to a guy this morning in between services He said, when my dad died, I blame God for that. You prayed for something, and you know God could have done something about it, and he didn't. And you're just wondering why he didn't. And for some of you, let's be honest, you're angry at just one person, and that's yourself. And you haven't been able to forgive yourself for a long time. What I've been praying is that what is impossible with man will be possible with God this morning. If there is an unforgiveness in your heart, that power, that with the power of the Holy Spirit through the living word of God, you will be able to do something supernatural, and that is to forgive that person. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's see what the Bible has to say, and let's see, as I, as I would say, pray that God will do a life-changing work this morning. So I want to start with a question. Why in the world should I forgive someone, especially if they hurt me or even more so they went to that other level, they hurt somebody who I love? Why should we do that? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but I want to give you two that I think are really important and they're biblical-based reasons. The first one is this. We need to forgive because unforgiveness hurts me. It hurts me. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. There are many of us who are living with a root of bitterness. We're not even completely aware of it because we've learned to function with this grudge. It's just part of who we are. Scripture says that love keeps no record of wrong, but 
Bitterness keeps very detailed records. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, just ask your friends if this isn't true in your life. We remember what he did. We know what she said and how she said it. And it was 10 years ago, but it seems like it was just yesterday. We relitigate these things in our head all the time. That's bitterness. The root of bitterness acts like a cancer that actually erodes your soul. It eats away at it. And it hurts our relationships, and it hurts our relationship with God. Why should we forgive? Well, one of the reasons is because unforgiveness is like picking up burning coals with our bare hands. It always hurts us. Why would you want to go around holding a grudge that's only going to hurt you? Anne Lamott wrote, Unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping it kills the other person. (laughs) That's a bad strategy. But that's exactly what unforgiveness is like. Why should we forgive? Why? Let me just be very basic. Because unforgiveness hurts me. It's almost selfish in its nature, but it's part of our self-preservation, so pay attention to that. The second reason is we need to forgive because I will need forgiveness again. I will need forgiveness again. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus is very direct. You won't need anyone to interpret this for you. You'll understand it. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you, will not forgive your sins. Anybody have problems with the translation there? (laughs) I don't think so. This is one of those verses that we don't like to, to know is in there, but it's true. It's true. In fact, Jesus drills down later on this, in, later in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew the 18th chapter, and he tells a parable where he gives kind of a, maybe even more explanation to these two verses here in Matthew 6. But he tells a parable about this master who has a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, if you're just reading through the Bible, you come to 10,000 talents, you might just, you know, gloss over it, not really pay much attention. But 10,000 talents is, in our economy today, is equivalent to 150,000 years of labor. 150,000 years. And so if you were to do the math on what that would be equivalent in dollars, it's a little over $2 billion. So if, if you're hearing this story, Jesus tell this story, you're thinking, there's no way this dude's going to be able to pay it back. And that's exactly what the text says. It says that he could never repay it. And so this servant, he begged for mercy from his boss, who showed mercy and forgave this massive debt. And then, interestingly, this servant, who's just been shown mercy, goes to his little village and he finds a guy who owes him one day's wages. One day's wages. And this guy says, will you forgive me my debt? And he says, nope, not happening. Amazing. Well, word gets back to his boss that he found out that this unforgiving servant who had been shown so much mercy, and then we pick up the story of what Jesus says happened after that. Verse 32 of Matthew 18 says, Then the master... Called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt, all, the, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, could, until he should pay back all he owed. 
And listen to verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You know, the truth is, I really do relish and embrace when God shows me mercy. But I'm oftentimes slow to give the same mercy to somebody who's wronged me. Can you identify with that? Why should I forgive? Well, first of all, it's really bad for me not to forgive. And secondly, it's really important that I forgive because God says that if I forgive others, he's going to forgive me. So there's good biblical reason to show forgiveness. And most of you, at some point, if you're a Christian, you're probably going to say, I should forgive that person. I, but I just don't know how. I just don't know how. How do I forgive somebody who ripped my heart out? How do I forgive someone who, for years, did such and such to me? Or how do I forgive someone who hurt someone who I love very deeply? If I'm supposed to forgive, how am I supposed to do that? How do you do that? I want to give you a couple of ideas this morning, and they're founded in Scripture. I want to give you those as well. That will help you to forgive. The first thing is this. Pray. Pray for those that hurt you. Now, I don't mean pray that they get hemorrhoids or get hit by a bus, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. You're kind of missing the point, right? You're kind of missing the point. If you're tempted to pray, God, all I'm asking is just one lightning bolt right near them. Send a message. You're missing the point. No, we should pray like Jesus prayed on the cross when the crowds were mocking him, and he looked up to heaven, and he simply prayed, Father, forgive them. And what's interesting right there when Jesus prays that prayer They are hurting him. It is right in the midst of them hurting him that he actually utters this prayer. Jesus taught very clearly about this idea of praying for those who we want to forgive or need to forgive. He says in Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 43 and 44, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So he's doing an inventory of kind of what's going on in the culture, and he says, you've heard it said. This means this is a common, or this is a very common teaching in our day. And he says, love your neighbor, and do what? He says, to your enemy, hate them. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That That was normal then. That was totally normal. And Jesus is just kind of saying, this is, this is kind of how the, the world is that we live in right now. You see, the Romans, they actually worshipped revenge. They actually had a God for revenge. And the Jews, they, they believed in this eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a life for a life. If somebody cut your arm off, you had all the right in the world to cut their arm off as well. And Jesus is just saying, this is pretty normal for the culture that we live in. And then he said something that would have shocked them. It would have absolutely floored them. Look what he says in verse 44. But I tell you, love your, your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I tell you, love your enemies and do what? Pray for those who persecute you. Chances are pretty good that some of you are sitting there and you're saying, I don't want to pray for them. <laughs> And the reason is, is I don't feel like it. I don't feel like praying for them. It wouldn't be sincere. And I understand that way more than you you will ever believe. But what I found is that oftentimes it takes right actions that will trigger right feelings. If you just do the right thing, then eventually the feelings will follow. Sometimes the right actions have to come first. Because if we're honest... If you wait for the desire or the feeling to come, you're going to be waiting a long time. 
In fact, you may wait your entire life because that desire is not going to come. It's just not. But if you start praying, that desire will often follow the right actions. I had something happen to me a number of years ago, and I decided a a while back that I was not going to talk about this ever publicly in detail because I didn't I just didn't have any desire to cause harm to the person who was responsible. But I can't talk about this topic of praying for someone who hurt you without referencing this. So I'm going to try to do it in as ambiguous a way as possible to protect the person who harmed me, which tells me, it should tell you I've come a long way. Because there was a day when I would not have ever taken this this much care to protect their reputation. But There are a lot of people in this city, uh, some in this room, who if I gave enough details, they would know who I was talking about. And I have no desire to reciprocate the harm. The action that they, they took against me was personal. It hurt me deeply. Uh, could have damaged my reputation. Could have cost me my ministry. Uh, fortunately, God protected both of those. But the wounds I experienced were deep, and as a result, I carried this huge root of bitterness for a long time in my life. Um, Every time I thought about this individual, it just made me mad all over again. I'd relitigate these things in my head. And it was on my mind night and day, night and day. And somebody who was close to me said, you know, the problem with your situation is that you're consumed by what this person did, but that person probably doesn't think about this much at all. And the truth is that I I knew that they probably didn't. So I eventually came to the point where I realized that I couldn't live like this, certainly not in ministry. And so I decided to listen to some wise counsel who had told me, why don't you just start praying for them? And so I tried. And I I tried. I tried to be as sincere in my, pr- my prayers as I could, but i got to be honest with you, my best efforts on my very best days were half-hearted at best. And on other days, they were tragically not Christian at all. But God was faithful. And I kept praying even when I didn't feel like it. And I know God knew that my intent was there, and he honored that intent because over time I was able to pray with more sincerity. I agree with what Craig Rochelle said. He said, my prayers for others may or may not change them, but my prayers for others always changed me. And that was true for me. That was so true for me. Now, you've got to understand, I don't go on vacation with this person ever. And I don't plan to. And we don't hang out at Starbucks drinking lattes every so often. But I no longer want to push him off a bridge. I think that's progress. Seriously. It all started with prayer. I'm at a point now today where this isn't what defines me anymore. It's not what bothers me every day. Oh, occasionally it will come up again once in a while, but it's not an issue anymore. And it all started with prayer. This may sound difficult at first to you, and I don't want to minimize the pain that you're dealing with, but you have to start there. Give God a chance to do a work in your heart. 
You know, for some people, it'll be like throwing a switch. I mean, they pray a few days, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're ready to forgive and move on. But for most of us, it's like a process. So all I am encouraging you to do is give the process a chance. Start with prayer. The second thing is I want to, I want to encourage you to do in order to forgive someone who's hurt you is forgive them as you have been forgiven. How do you forgive? Forgive them the same way that God has forgiven you. Jesus you, forgave you completely. He, he forgives you consistently and constantly. You forgive in the same way. Here's what the Bible says. Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul starts off, he says, bear with each other. What is he saying? He's saying there's times when you're going to have to hang in there. You're going to have to bear with someone. In other words, it might not be easy. In fact, it might be messy. You still have to hang in there and work through some things. In fact, there still might be some pain that you go through in the, in the days to come. But hang in there, bear with them, work on it. And then the Bible says, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Okay, great, but how am I supposed to do that? Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He's really clear. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's how you forgive. You forgive as you've been forgiven. One of my favorite characters in the entire New Testament is the Apostle Peter. I think he's a kind of the blue-collar man, the common man's man, and I love the conversations that he has with Jesus. They're real, you know, they're, they're really kind of uh, simple and and they're not complex. He's not a great theologian at this point in his life. And so he asked Jesus this question one day. He says, uh, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven times? Now, what's interesting, if you know anything about the backstory on this question that he asks, is the Jewish tradition said that the rabbis oftentimes placed general limitations on the number of times that you were required to forgive somebody. Some say that three was probably the popular number. Three times. You forgive three times and then you don't have to forgive them anymore. But when Peter suggests forgiving someone seven times, he's more than double. I mean, people would say, man, he's really being generous in forgiving. And then look what Jesus says. It's in Matthew 18, 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What Jesus is giving us here is a picture for us to just keep on forgiving. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the one disclaimer I want to give this morning. Some of you, not many of you, but there's probably a handful in this audience, the first service, and people who will watch this online. And um, you're in a spot where um, your situation is one that's, that's filled with physical abuse. And you may be sitting there saying, how does, this, how does this affect me? How does this, you know, matriculate into my life? And uh, am I supposed to forgive him and then just stay here? And the answer to that is no. Um, I want to encourage you to get to a place of safety. Get out of a place where physical harm is taking place. You can forgive people from a distance, Okay. You don't have to forgive them face-to-face in every situation. Forgiving doesn't mean that you go back into an abusive environment. Get to a safe place. Talk to someone in law enforcement. Talk to somebody in this church. We'll stand with you. We'll, we'll do everything we can to make sure that you're safe. 
I'm telling you, forgiveness doesn't mean that you go back into that environment if someone is hurting you physically. But in any circumstance, it's important to recognize that we need to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. Corey Tinboom stood face to face with this former guard from the prison where she was held. Her sins, she acknowledged, had been forgiven again and again and again, but she couldn't bring herself to forgive this man who was standing in front of her. You see, her sister Betsy had died in that prison camp. Did he think that he could just waltz in here and, and erase her terrible death simply by asking for forgiveness? He stood there with his hand stretched out as she wrestled with the most difficult situation she said she'd ever had to deal with. She writes, For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their sins, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your sins. So she stood there at the crossroads. Her heart was just encased in coldness. And then she said, Forgiveness is not an emotion. She realized forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So she prayed silently, help, help. I can lift my hand, she said to the Lord. I can do that much, but you supply the feeling. Because she was totally void of any kind of feeling. And so mechanically and very woodenly, she reached out her hand to shake this former guard's hand, and as she did, something incredible took place in her, she said. She started to feel something. She started to feel something for this guy, and then all of a sudden, the tears came. And she said, through the tears, I forgive you, brother. Probably the hardest thing she'd ever done in her life to that point. You see, the biblical standard is this. The forgiven forgive others. That's the standard that Jesus set. That's what we do as saved followers of Jesus. I'm forgiven by him. And I didn't deserve his grace. But because I belong to him, I offer the same forgiveness that's been given to me. We can all do that. By the power of God's word and his Holy Spirit. We can do that. I want to encourage you to take that step today. Forgive whoever it is that's, that's hurt you. There's a good possibility they've long since forgotten about it. And you're the one who's going through life with the shackles on. What if you forgave them today and God gave you some freedom from that past? Take that step. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you right now uh, asking that you would do a deep work in this place, especially in the lives of people who are carrying some, some serious wounds. Some, some of these folks here, God, have hurt in their lives, and they've been carrying around maybe for the last week, maybe for, maybe for years and years. Some of those, uh, those hurts... Um, They're not even really aware of the impact that it's having. They've been so accustomed to living with it. Some of you in this room, you're hearing this message 
and you just don't want to forgive. You don't feel like it. They don't deserve it. And the truth is, you feel like if you forgive them, you're going to let them off the hook, and you don't want to do that. But I pray that you want the power of God's Holy Spirit to work in you. And if that's you, and you've carried this wound for a while, I want to encourage you to pray. Just pray to God, somebody hurt me, Lord. But by the power of Jesus, I want to forgive them. Will you help me to forgive them? Just pray that prayer. Ask God to work. I pray, God, thanking you for the power that is at work as people pray that prayer. God, your word directs us to places that are healthy, and we thank you for that. I pray for healing and forgiveness in relationships, in marriages that are on the rocks. They're frayed to a point of breaking. I pray, God, for healing and forgiveness in these parent-child relationships where they've, they've had a falling out and they're estranged from each other. I pray, God, for those friendships where betrayal has come and we used to be really close and now we don't have a friendship at all. God, will you give us the ability to forgive I pray that we would see restoration in all of these broken relationships. God, thank you for that. Some in this room, I know you're going to recognize that the person who needs forgiveness is you because you realize that the life you've been living is one that's offensive to God and you've sinned and maybe you've never realized your sin, but you're starting to feel guilty about it. The more you come here, the more you hear about what God says about life and how to live it through His Spirit and by the guidance of His Word. And you recognize that's not how you're living. And you want to change. You're not satisfied. You're, You're tired of that grind. Here's the great news. We talked about last week. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I want to encourage you to turn your life over to Jesus. Turn from your sin and call on his name this morning. I pray that you would do that and begin the journey of following him. God, we thank you. We praise you. and We pray all this in the powerful, life-changing name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you, if you need to take steps toward a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, I'm going to be available down here on to your right. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to put your faith in him, to confess your sins and turn from your sins and be baptized into Christ. What all of that means and why we should do that and what, what's involved in all of that. I, I just want to encourage you, don't, don't feel God nudging you and then, and then walk away today and not take some kind of action. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss it. Let's stand together. Let's worship him. Come if you have a need.